We are good. Look at this, man. It's like, I'm, I'm good on schedule. I'm sorry <laughs> to say I'm good on schedule. But I'm really excited about this particular podcast because I've been wanting to do this particular podcast since the beginning of the podcast. I'm at the Schluter training right now. To the left of me, I've got Todd. Yeah, Todd Velikas. I'm the uh, commercial manager for Ontario. I'm a 20-year guy with Schluter. It's my 20th year this year. Wow. So. Congratulations. Thank you. Did they and give you an orange ring or something like that? Uh, What's going on? I don't know. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see. I started off, uh, actually, before I started with Schluter, I was with uh, Schluter Distributor. Uh, so right from the day Schluter came to Canada, I was selling it as a distributor rep. Uh, that was for about eight years, uh, 11 years with a distributor, eight years selling Schluter. Uh, and then I went to Schluter and that's been 20 years there. So probably close to 30 years of selling Schluter products in North America. Wow. Beautiful. Started off as the only guy in Ontario. So I took care of everything, architects, contractors, dealers, the whole works under one, one umbrella. And then as we, the company grew, they hired more people. Now we have eight people in Ontario. You were doing the job of eight people. Yeah, but the sales were a little different <laughs> back then. <laughs> so to the left of you, you got... I am Omi, the Tile Guy, Inc. I'm familiar with you. Are you? You just met Todd. I did. That's amazing that you just met Todd because I've known Todd since, I guess, year one for me. You know what I mean? So yeah. we've what we got is we got a nice podcast going on today where we've got Schluter Rep here. We're going to talk about Schluter. We're going to talk about bathrooms. We're going to talk about waterproofing. We're going to talk about a bunch of stuff. Then I've got an installer here who I respect quite a bit. Well, thank you. Who knows how to do his <laughs> shit, even though he's in his 20s. I don't want to knock any millennials out I there, know. but I'm just saying he knows his shit. And then you got myself who I don't know shit. I got to say, so from... Day one, my first reno, I was using Schluter. And the reason I was using Schluter is because I saw the information, I saw what it was about, someone explained it to me, and I just said, that kind of makes sense. So I started using Schluter Ditra. Now I think I've used every single product except for the new stuff that you guys have just launched, which are the shelving, right? But I want, Todd, I want you to kind of get into, tell us a little bit about Schluter history. We want to know more about Schluter history. Okay, Schluter history, well, Warner Schluter as the uh, the owner. It's a proprietorship, so it's a wholly owned by one guy or one family. He was a master tile setter by trade. And uh, back in the 70s, when the tile industry changed, where they stopped making a lot of the bull noses and the trim pieces because the equipment changed in manufacturing of tile. Mm -hmm which didn't lend itself for all the little accessory pieces. Being a good tile installer, he said, well, what am I going to do to finish the edge of the tile? So he went out to the local manufacturer of a fabricator of metal and said, can you make something for me for his own application? Then he uh, offered that opportunity to some other contractors in the area and said, hey, let's pool it all together and make this stuff as a business. And they said, no, nah, Warner, that's not going to fly. You do it. We'll buy it from you if we need it. This is the 70s, late 70s kind yeah. of thing? Those guys are kicking themselves in the ass right now <laughs> for not jumping on this opportunity, of right? Of course. He started that business and it, it's grown. Very interesting thing about Warner Schluter is that he has a very, his mind is amazing and he sees things like coming up with the idea mm -hmm. of Dietra. Yeah. back when he did was so you know futuristic thinking that how soon after the edging did he come up with the actual detra yeah. was it a few years Detra is about 38 years now wow. on the market okay so it wasn't too long after the edging not too far no so yeah. his his 
the way he thinks is very unique. His two sons now have taken over the business because he's retired or somewhat retired anyways. You can't be retired when you love something. Still got his fingers in things, but the day-to-day running of the business is for sure the the kids. Just recently, we started a product management group to kind of supplement Warner Schluter's thinking. So now it takes a group of like 20 some odd people come up with ideas that one guy was able to do. So So he was gifted 100%. 100%. And one of the things about the company too is that being a proprietorship, they can do things that corporations can't. They can invest in the future and say, well, you know, if we make our money back in 10 years, that's good. Or a corporation, not They so don't much. look at it that way. They look at, you know, what's the turnover and there's formulas and all that kind of thing. So. Yeah. Uh, that's one of the things I love about the company is that it's very future thinking. For example, when we bought property in the U.S., they built a 10,000 square foot warehouse on 168 acres of land that they purchased. So they knew that that warehouse was going to grow. And now that campus in, in Plattsburgh, New York is how big filling in okay. quickly. So we just put in like a quarter million square foot warehouse addition. They're, they're actually building two-story warehouses. Oh, that sounds like a facility I wouldn't mind visiting one day. Wink, 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 <laughs> wink. Nudge, nudge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when did it arrive in North America, Schluter? So he started in Germany? He started in Germany, and the history of, of North America was that there was a German towel setter immigrated to Canada, and he wanted Schluter products. So he was on his distributor, you know, bring this in for me, bring this in for me. So he started bringing it in for this one contractor and uh, the opportunity came to create distribution in or availability of the product in North America so it was offered to that distributor and that was around when that would have been the 80s yeah the or probably mid to early 80s okay he then became a Schluter guy he left his partner in the distribution business yeah. to do Schluter full-time no really so directly they went and they just started bringing stuff in from Germany. Yeah, I don't know if you know Dale Kempster. He he was no. Anyways, he was a first employee. Reinhard Plank, who was the general manager. Reinhard Plank started the whole thing with him and Dale Kempster in a van driving throughout the United States. No, staying really. You know, sharing, one of those stories. Eh? Sharing a room. Really, at the, the cheap one motel. by one, hitting every single tile setter one by one, and just talking to well, them. Not so much. They went after distribution okay. to set up a distribution network. Okay. Right? So they went from distributor to distributor to distributor. So if there was a show in, let's say, California, fill the van up with their show materials and drive, like spend two weeks getting there, wow. stopping city by city to set up distribution. So and what was the reaction? Like, what was the reaction when people started seeing this? Was it all positive? Uh, it was a little more challenging back then to yeah. uh, convince people that, you know, and the product line was a lot smaller as well. It was mostly the profiles. And then Dietra and, and Curdy. The it role was, of Curdy, you had to explain that this The science fabric. behind it back yeah. then, imagine, yeah. And I can imagine all the tile setters back then were not Confused. all that uh, warm about this. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> it was, uh, even the first time I saw it, I picked up a piece of Dietra and it's, you know, flapping around. <laughs> how is this going to keep my tile from cracking? <laughs> what I don't do you mean the floor has to move? And I'm I know. like, well, <laughs> somebody's going to really have to explain this because back then it was like, concrete dry yeah. pack yeah. Yeah. you know cement yeah. board yeah. was coming out at that time but that's the principle behind the detra membrane it's that whole dry pack but just thinner that's how it works right that's how it was explained to me in the beginning if we want to get onto the topic of detra right now detra is called an uncoupling membrane what it does is it allows the tile layer above the detra to move independently of the substrate so in other words if the plywood for example was to swell from humidity that movement wouldn't transfer to the tile because the detra layer allows 
that movement to be dissipated. Okay, so it's lost in that configured membrane. Mm -hmm. And it's the hollow cavities of the detra mm -hmm. that are, you know, between the ridges. That hollow cavity is what absorbs the movement. If you don't have a hollow cavity, it's not going to absorb any movement. It won't. And you'll have failure. Yeah. So you have direct transfer of, of stress. I got a question. So I see a lot of guys, what they do, the, the science behind it is you've got these pockets, which your thin set mortar would basically embed itself into, and which is attached to the tile. So which allows for this transfer, this sheer moment to basically dissipate a little bit the left and right. But I see a lot of guys, what they do after they install their detro, they trowel in the this cups and then install the tile on top. What do you think about that? <laughs> that's that's the, the question that's behind always it. This, asked. This, huh? is, this is the thing where I see the science behind and the practice. I wanted to get your take on that. Is there a right or wrong, Todd? Okay, let me explain. Okay, All right. we want to hear. Ears are open. The whole idea is to have load distribution. So when you put a load on the tile, the load can travel through the tile, through the mortar, and into the substrate. So all the squares of the detra, call, we, some people call them chiclets. Chiclets. Oh, I remember oh, chiclets. Oh, okay. Cavities. I remember them. So the chiclets... That's if you're using white mortar, then they're chiclets. If you're using gray, they're not. <laughs> so the chiclets are like columns of a building that support the load. Oh, right? okay. The mortar on top and the tile is like the roof slab of a commercial building. Mm -hmm. Chiclets are the columns that your peers your piles, piles transfer, yeah. transfers okay. a, transfers the load so that's why it's very important to have all the layers bonded to allow for that load transfer mm -hmm. if you fill the chiclets first and then spread mortar on top and set the tile you're still and that's bonded together yep. which it, it will because thin set to thin sets a good good bond that load will transfer there we go whether you do it in one shot and set the tile or you fill the chiclet, let it set up, install thin set and tile, either way is perfectly fine. So as long as the bond occurs between the two substrates even before that's after, all you guys then you're care good. about. So that's it. Yeah. So now we know. The only disadvantage of doing it in two steps, well, you're double the labor. Yeah. In a sense. There is a possibility that, well, let's say the drywall guy comes in and starts sanding drywall and get mm -hmm. covers the, yeah. all yeah. the thin set with white yeah. drywall Absolutely. dust. Yeah. yeah. Are you going to clean that properly? But my, my biggest problem is and the reason why I've always done it in two steps is that you have intricate tile work going on and you need to draw lines and you need to put tape marks and you have to figure out where the pattern starts and all this other shit. Good luck on trying to do that with wet mortar. Or snap chalk lines on exactly. plastic. Yep. Or on plastic, exactly. Because right. it just disappears right away. There's two things you can do to uh, keep the chalk lines on your... Uh on the plastic. Number one is to use black chalk, yep. which is a permanent chalk, but mm -hmm. then there's disadvantages because it gets on stuff that doesn't come off. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's the problem. And then hairspray. So you could use, let's say, a, a blue or a, a red chalk, dollar store hairspray. You spray it on top. I don't know a single contractor that has hairspray in his truck. I know a lot of have mousse, but not hairspray. So uh, can I we use mousse? to change so. that. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of embarrassment for the installer to be walking around with us. Just a couple of sprays before an estimate, you know? Yeah. All right. So that, that age-old question's been answered now. So we're not doing it wrong, and the guys who are doing it the other way, they're not doing it wrong, no. right? So it's just it's personal preference at that point. Now, there's advantages to doing, other than snapping chalk lines, okay. is traffic. So, for example, there was one commercial installation where there was an entrance to an office tower, downtown Toronto, and they had to do Detra in the front 
entrance and they couldn't get the job done fast enough oh in the time that they were allowed to actually physically work work okay so what they did is they installed a ditra filled the chiclets with inset with fast setting mortar mm -hmm. and then it opened it up for trough so the next morning i was on site with the contractor and we we're going to evaluate what areas needed to be replaced based on what's loose and it was nothing loose oh wow and they estimated close to they're saying about ten thousand people walked on that floor wow see so that kind of convinced me that Filling the checklets and letting traffic on the floor mm -hmm. is not as long as you clean it before you start setting yeah. your tile. Then they set the tile and everything everything's great. And then it's what kind of mortar was used underneath the Ditra too. They used a fast setting mortar so that in you know three, four hours it's set it's up. Yeah. yeah. So if you use the regular mortar and That'd put that kind of traffic story. on yeah, there, yeah, yeah. uh yeah, I, I think you'd have a disaster. And that was adhered to concrete, of course. Yeah. Filling it and allowing traffic on. If you know your schedule is such that you're not, not going to get your tile installed and you know people are going to walk on it. Yeah. Well, that's the good thing about the new products that you got to start paying attention to how these new products are supposed to be installed. But then also you got to cater to how to install those products to how you run your business. Because we understand that a tile installer will come in and they've got a full day and they rather stay at one job site and do all that work that they can instead of go back into traffic and spend a lot of time in traffic and go to another job site. So if you can plan for that, all the better for you, right? Gone are the days of scratch coat, right? So there's all that bullshit where you had to put it on and let it dry and then move on from there. But then all of a sudden, five years, you had to change those tiles because they cracked, because they were not separated from the, the substructure. So from Detra, we got into Curdy. That must have been an uphill battle as well, too, with Curdy. How do you explain a fabric material-like thing? The uh, Curdy challenge was originally that we didn't have a drain. Go and sell a, the idea of Curdy to a contractor or builder or whoever. They'd say, well, okay, how do I connect it to the drain? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know those days. That must have been weird, eh? You guys are coming out with a product that's not complete. Right. So we had a waterproofing membrane that was a great waterproofing membrane, but it wasn't part of a system because the drains at the time were clamping drains, you know, two stage drain that yep. was meant to be used with a rubber liner. Yeah. Yep. And now we're saying here we have a surface waterproofing rather than a subsurface. So how do you take that but membrane that made from the sense surface to me. and bring it down? A surface to the drain? waterproofing made a lot more sense than a below waterproofing because you have the weeping hole. So you purposely yeah. want water to get past where you want it to be and get it closer to the, the substructure. That's what you want. You, you, don't, you don't want water to get anywhere near there. You want it to be at the top and then just go through and yeah, that's it. Don't saturate the, the substrate. But with a rubber liner, before surface waterproofing came out, the only way to do it was to use a rubber liner, but because you can't bond to the rubber liner, you then have to put load distribution layer, which mm -hmm. is your inch and a half dry pack. Yeah. Yeah. So that distributes your load over a non-bondable rubber, and then you can set your tile. But yeah. then that whole structure, the, the tile, the grout, and the mortar dry pack is susceptible to water. So yes. it gets wet, doesn't dry out. If you go back many, many years, people didn't shower every day. They that's, bathe. A, that's a big thing too. Yeah. A lot of people are taking a lot more showers. I sometimes even take two showers a day in the morning, come home from work all dusty. It's ridiculous. So definitely there's a lot more showers. Todd, please tell me know. you guys have stats on how many hours people spend a year or days in the shower. Yeah, I, I was curious about this. My thought, like when I was driving around the other day, I was thinking yeah. showers are a huge thing. And that's why showers are becoming bigger and have more heads and mm -hmm. have all these other features and niches and all this other stuff. They've got to be days per year that a man and a woman, I'm assuming women probably spend a little more time in a shower. 
But yeah, you're right. They they stopped using baths and they were using more showers. So if they're spending more time in showers, then we had to make sure those showers were fully waterproof and not constantly because they would be saturated. Yeah. That dry pack would constantly be yeah, saturated. 100%. That rubber memory would be saturated. So basically it's a pool. Mm-hmm. It would be a pool at that time. And eventually water is going to get through. No, mm-hmm. that's just common sense. So you guys were trying to sell that. And then all of a sudden the drain came along, yeah, which well, changed everything. That, that was huge because now all of a sudden we have a system. We have the drain that connects to the drain pipe, mm-hmm. and then we have a waterproofing that can go up and across the floor, the bench, the walls, whatever, and you can set the tile, and the water's never going to get out of that, like one plumber called it, a funnel, a plastic funnel <laughs> that it's is true. attached the to a pipe funnel. That's true. that you can set tile to, right? Did so, the drain show up the same time as the corner and the curdy band and all that kind of stuff? That was an evolution afterwards as, as we saw the need for these additional pieces. Um, so, for example, the, uh, the inside-outside corners, yep. we were initially just saying, you know, cut a square piece of curdy. I remember that. Yeah, and remember fold that it too, to, yeah. to make a corner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it did work. But installers are going, what about that corner? I don't trust it. You mm-hmm. know, what if I send my, you know, B guy to do it? <laughs> <sighs> and if it's not... It know, leaks and it, I got to come back. Yeah. And what it is is that... Even though that worked, the onus is on the installer, okay? And what we try to do is take the, the responsibility away from the installer more and more and more. Everything that we try and do is to make the installation for the installer easier, but also take the liability from the installer, the risk. For example, you can form a corner by folding, or you can have a pre-molded corner. The pre-molded corner makes it, number one, easier and faster, instead of having to cut your own, and it takes the liability away. So if you didn't fold your corner right and it leaked, well, whose fault is that? That's the installer's fault. Mm-hmm. Now, if you use a pre-molded corner, there's no risk. So the risk gets reduced and reduced and reduced. So for example, in our shower system now, we have our shower trays already factory covered with curdy. There's the evolution. Yep. So now the, the, the onus is taken away from the installer to do a proper when are you guys going to start Coverage. installing these things for us? Well, I can't take, the, I can't take their job away <laughs> You can't from take you. that? Can, can I bring up a point that a lot of, uh, I'm going to say, the new kids out there have complained about is um, the buildup. Yeah, I've, so, I've heard that as well. You know, we know we've got the curdy that goes on the walls, and then we got to put the curdy band, and then on top of the curdy band, you got to put the corner, so now you start having a tiny bit of buildup. Sure, they've complained about that, saying that it's ridiculous, that now you got to skim coat everything. And I, I, my argument is that, You'll only have to skim coat everything if you're using a really thin, possibly eighth inch or two mil glass mosaic, because then it'll take the shape, it'll take all the deflections and stuff like that. But odds are, if you're using a two mil glass mosaic, you're spending, the client is at least 30 to 50 bucks a square foot. What's the big deal about skimming everything for that particular expensive Mm -hmm. tile that you need to make it work? But if you're using large format tile, then you have to build it out anyway. You have to build it out, what, six mil of, of thin set or something like that behind there? So you're not going to be touching that corner. There isn't going to be an issue with buildup. Yeah. But how do you guys answer that when people address it and they come to you? Well, it's two two two-part answer for that. One is the installation technique. We actually have a YouTube video out there showing how to do the corners, reduce the amount of buildup. What is exactly the, 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 nut, the perfect buildup allowance that you guys say we should be able to get when we're installing these corners? From the first plane, I guess, of Curdy because we're talking about curdy, uh, the actual membrane, and now we're talking about curdy board. Then we've got to put curdy band, and then we got to put the corner. So how far is that curdy band and curdy corner 
coming out from the actual first plane. If you take a look at the, the length of the Curdy band, it's considerably more than, I couldn't tell you how long it is, but it's considerably more than two inches. Yeah. So when you're doing the band, you only need to cover the corner by two inches. Most guys go too far yeah. with the band. And then yeah. you overlap and that's what causes And now that you've issue. got that double layer yes. where you should have a single layer. I think it's an education thing to be able to do the overlaps in a way that minimizes the buildup. The second thing is, is trowel size and how much mortar is in, in between those layers. You put a little extra mortar in, you know, you leave a little ridge when mm -hmm. you're spreading the yeah. mortar, a little blob in there, and that's going to cause more buildup than the thickness of the, of the curdy. Being really careful with the buildup, making sure you don't have more overlaps than you really need to. Yeah, and through my experience, what I found too in the beginning, a big thing is with the buildup is actually how viscous your mortar is. That's another thing too. So I find a lot of guys, like you can even see on the wall where it's, you can see that that, that mortar is way too thick. You need to water it down and you need, it needs to be, if there's a lot, I saw even the YouTube videos, they were really well made and it shows exactly what the consistency should look like. It's not watery, but it, it's enough so that once it's pressed on, it's almost like it's the same thickness of the actually yeah. curdy. Well, membrane. when you're installing the curdy products, you want your your thin set, your mortar to be yes, a little bit wetter than bond, drier. Right? You can actually see if the bond is there or not. The liquidity of the mortar is very important, and the uh, the type of mortar that you're using as well. Mm -hmm. Some mortars now, because they're designed to be built up thicker because of the larger format tile. Uh, has a larger sand particle. Yes. Okay, it's grainier. Works against you now. Now that grain is going to cause the buildup because you can't squish down the sand grain and that can cause buildup. So choosing a nice creamy mortar as opposed to a grainy mortar. Uh, remember, we were doing a workshop here uh, with a bunch of contractors and they're, they're doing the modules and the mortar we were using at the time was really grainy. And one of the guys, just stop and listen. I'm listening and you just hear this grinding sound mm -hmm. because of the trowels going over the sand yeah. the large sand particles yeah. it was almost deafening it was really loud kind of tells you that that mortar has i know but that's the bag that the installer has in the back of his van <laughs> again if you're dealing with a system and you want to do it properly then you want to make sure you have the proper products as well that and we won't jump ahead just yet because we know that you guys have your own thin set and mortars and things like that so from the curdy and the drain where do we go from there Interesting story. When the drain first came out, my first sale wasn't for Manny's basement shower or, you know, it was 500 showers at the Ritz Carlton Grand Cayman Islands. Wow. My first sale. And I wasn't invited. My, neither was I, actually. Come on. I, we sent a rep that worked, worked out of Florida on site to train the guys because this is a brand new system. Nobody's ever seen it before. The contractor is from Toronto doing the job. That's a nice gig. Mm -hmm. mm. And he hired installers from Turkey. That's interesting. Wow. Did not speak English. So how did that work? Our rep went there, spent the morning. They did one shower, showed him how to do it. They did another shower. He was satisfied that they knew what they were doing. The contractor was very vigilant on supervising. They water tested every single shower. Not a single one leaked. Funnel. They tiled it. And the contractor said when they turned it over and it was occupied, uh, they had three showers that were leaking and he was called and he said, it's not our waterproofing 100% guaranteed. Mm -hmm. That's how confident he was after this job. So they went back and checked and sure enough, it was the water supply that was leaking inside See? the wall. Mm -hmm. And one of the drains didn't have any glue. Cement, any glue 
tube joined to the pipe and that's where that one was leaking 500 of them huh? yeah so uh, quite honestly i was very nervous about that because it's a new system i'm thinking you know but it's a proven like this is a perfect proving ground yeah and after that i was like this is great because yeah. i know it's easy if you come out with a product that is a good product but is very difficult to use yes the market won't attract yeah they it, won't it's or it's very difficult to get a good installation then even though the product itself may be good it's not a viable product it's a it's a big time saver you it know? is because time, you, time is money in any industry and the one thing i find with the schluter is i can carry a stack of five curdy boards up a flight of stairs try doing that with a four by eight sheet of den shield or cement board cement board good luck There's you can't no do it you can do it There's or you no can do dust. regular drywall yeah the, if you don't care so we did the 500 drains we did the drains and now we're moving along to what curdy board so well no curdy board is a little further down in the evolution. really yeah? yeah so what was next so we had the, uh, the drain and we had the curdy and we started doing little demos and workshops and you know teaching people how to use it we realized very quickly that the skill of using dry pack to create the slope to the drain was not there <laughs> not everybody was there so let's say we trained 10 people you know we had one or two that were proficient at using dry pack and the others were not so good so i remember doing workshops and they'd put bring everybody back into the classroom dale was the presenter and i'd be in the back fixing <laughs> <laughs> the shower bases really? that they did because the next day we we're going to install curdy and they were so bad that you wouldn't be able to install over them wow. it was that it was that bumpy huh yeah so mm. we thought my goodness if all these guys you know 80 percent of the guys installing tile can't do a dry pack how is our system going to it won't yeah, it's going to be work. a problem so then we thought hey let's come out with a prefabricated pre-sloped shower base that's easy to install boom out came our shower trays that would have been the 32 by 60s 32 by 60 and the uh, 48 by 48s and then you had the offset drain as well and that was a game changer as well too because yeah. in the beginning i did dry pack but then once the tray came what's the point of doing dry pack but i remember a lot of contractors looking at that 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 tray and going it's foam i don't understand i'm walking on <laughs> foam like this, this is gonna work i don't understand how that's gonna work so how is that sell like how do you sales pitch that you have to kind of train the market and that's not an easy thing to do unless it's technology well, if it's like an ipod or something like that you train the market really fast but if it's construction like we're dinosaurs it's harder for you guys to sell new products to us absolutely well something like cement board took 20 years for it to become popular really huh what was it before? It was just all wire, lath, and just... Wire, lath, and, and you know, parging dogs. with cement. Parging. That's yeah. it. Oh, that was who a pain in the ass, man. Who parges a wall? There's a lot of guys California. still doing it in California. That's, I was just about, Yeah, California. Mud live dogs, by it. Instagram. Everyone knows. They live by it, right? So... Yeah. There, yeah. Is, there is markets for sure that still do a lot of dry pack and parging of walls. And, you know, guys that even in, in our market here in Ontario will parge swimming pool walls. It has to be parged mm -hmm. before a pool's uh, tiled. So that skill is still there and there's people that do it but why would you do it when you have a simpler way with would, with using curdy board for yeah. example to flatten a wall so i think you know what it is i think a lot of guys don't know about and maybe you might want to touch base on this and what wet shimming is and how you can square off walls and bathrooms because a lot of these guys that's over there they they do it because they can get those walls dead square and flat but here, since we're dealing with wood and crowns and, you know, things are not 100% with wood, to get to that 100%, it's if you wet shim, you mm -hmm. can achieve that. So maybe you want to touch base a little bit about that and how, how we can actually get to that. Well, wet shimming is basically uh, 
spot bonding, mm-hmm. right? Where you put blobs of mortar. Let's say, first of all, there's two, two surfaces. There's a already existing And they're uh, not square, surface. yeah. So let's say the guy put up drywall. They're, they're not square. It's not level. It could be bowed and mm-hmm. humped. and Every house. By putting blobs of mortar on the back of the curdy board or on the wall and then pressing the curdy board in, pushing it in with, a let's say, a six-foot level, you can get the wall perfectly flat, perfectly level, and even square in the inside corner. So now when you have perfectly level and square and flat, your tile installation really, a dream. really mm-hmm. easy. <laughs> Less <laughs> mortar in the front as well. You know, it's it's a big, it's another, I think, five minutes of board installing. Because basically no tile installers, I, I don't think I've met a tile installer who charges by the hour. I think they charge by the square footage. Yep. So if you can make the prep and the base perfect, then they could actually make money and run a business properly. Well, that's, that was the idea of Curdy Board again, was that installers were saying, well, I never get a flat surface. My, you know, the, the, mm. the other trades are giving me garbage to work with. And then I have to make my tile installation good. So either yeah. I spend the time to straighten the wall, which wasn't budgeted. Nope. Or I have to do my best to do the tile installation. So mm-hmm. by coming up with Curdy Board, we're trying to make it easier. So give more work to the tile guy. So he's prepping the walls instead of somebody else. But that's yeah, not the fair, fallback. right? That's not the way it should be done, right? I, I know, I know, I understand. Because I generally like to hang out during the shower areas when we're framing them and making sure that they're as plumb as possible because I know I'm going to have a problem with glass later on and everything has to be perfect. So then you might as well make things a little easier for the guys ahead of you. But I know, I know the industry doesn't do that. They don't really pay attention to that. So no, for, for example, like there's studs that are made out of fiber. What are those called? Well, the engineered studs, right? Engineered studs, yeah. right? They're perfectly straight. They'll never warp and everything else. And they, the guys will live by them for pocket doors and things like that. Mm-hmm. Why don't we live by them for showers? And for you know kitchen cabinets, again, you need oh, that perfectly kitchen, level, right? Yeah. To get your cabinets on properly and the countertops. You know, those areas, it adds a little bit to the cost, but makes it so much Six easier times in the long run yeah. later on yeah. Yeah, so if that was the case it'd be a lot better but it's unfortunately not and 99 percent of the time unless you've got a renovation contractor like yourself that's going to build everything up properly and yeah. that makes sense most of the time guys are faced with you know subdivision housing and stuff like that mm-hmm. yeah. it's uh you got to deal with the reality that wet shimming or spot bonding on a an existing surface then you can also do the same thing with studs so if you have studs you can put mortar on the studs press the curdy board in till it's level and then wait to the next day to put your fasteners in so now the mortar is hardened in behind it may not be enough to hold the board on the on the studs but it's enough to hold the board in place because the board's so light mortar's hardened up so now when you put the screws through you're not going to draw the board into the crooked crooked studs that's a new one for me i like that yeah and you know you have to put a level, a straight edge against the wall to see how far out and how big of a blob you need to put on the stud or yeah. on the wall to make sure that it makes contact with the board. You know, one project I was on there, they spent 11 man days parging walls okay? for, for, for in like a commercial how? in a commercial bathroom with showers and yeah, yeah. 11 man days. A lot of yeah, time. it was a lot of huge. Um, and they were like, we're going to lose our shirt on this job. And I showed him curdy board. So I went in and with a seven-year-old foreman and one bucket, <laughs> he gave me one bucket uh, to mix the inside in. We finished a bathroom in one day. And here's a sales guy, me, doing an installer. I did most of the work and we pretty much finished in one day. 11 man days, yeah. one day. They finished the rest of it. They finished on time. There was a huge penalty on that job also for not finishing on time. Yeah, we're commercial was, jobs, 100%. They were able to finish. Their labor costs were reduced, and that compensated for the cost of the board very easily. 
So I guess so. that's that's the deal is that once the new guys they or even the old guys get trying it and using it, yeah. they're they're sold. Yeah. I don't think has anybody ever said no. I'm going right back to what I was doing. They're just setting their way. I know I've met an old school guy, an old old school guy, Italian guy. He's probably on his last year of tile setting, and he will not touch your product. And him and I were talking for the longest time about. What? What's the reason? But he's so used to doing an inch and a half to two inches dry pack and setting the stone and setting the tile and all this other stuff. He just is stuck in his ways of that. And I just argued with him about the buildup. Now you have to build up the entire space. You know what I mean? If you're raising that tile floor to two inches for a dry pack, what do you do for the rest of the area there? You're not going to have a threshold that's going to ramp up or something like that. But he just would not He, he would not accept it. I, I think that's an age thing also. Totally. Some, some guys, Old dog. Know, they're just like, I don't... I'm at the end of my career. I just don't want to learn anything new, and it's not worth it. Yeah. Where younger guys, they see you know a benefit for many, many years to learn something new. It's a type of person too. Um, There's some guys that are just like, I don't trust foam. They just I didn't trust foam in the beginning, but the once I did it and I came back the next day and it was dry, it was rock hard, and I even trusted Curdy Board. When I put it on and I you you could feel a little bit of deflection in the wall in between the 14 and a half inches of studying and all of a sudden you uh, got it ready and you install tile and even as thin as I and I've done this before two mil glass that's um, six mil by I, I guess it would be about maybe 40 mils thin pieces of glass mosaic and once that thin set cured. It was rock hard. There was no deflection yeah, in the board rigid, anymore. Yeah. So, I mean, when I saw a thin, thin tile material like that and it gets cured and it's rock hard, I totally trusted foam. I believed in foam, right? Going from the tray, now that took us to credit board, I'm going to say. Well, finally, uh, we had the tray. <laughs> uh, the corners are still folded. Then we came up with the uh, pre-molded corners. And that, I'll tell you, the girls that answer the phones at our office customer service love the corners because the phone stopped ringing oh okay <laughs> that question just gone done it, it was it was it was great so you can see that the acceptance was was there mm-hmm. the same thing it was interesting too when our trays first came out they were white white foam yeah and people oh white foam it's like a white coffee cup, right? You can crush it with your hand. <laughs> really? That's how they related it? It's like a coffee cup so we can crush it? Anyway, so we made it gray. The There's no gray coffee cups. Yeah. So the questions went away. Wow. Okay. The way the, the people color think. Of the, yeah. The way, color of material can really change people's perception. Same density of foam. Everything's the same. It just made it light gray instead Is of white. Is this a North American versus European mentality? I can't see the Europeans looking at know. white foam going coffee cup. This is an American, it's North, American, North American thing. North American thing, yeah, right? Yeah. I could see us saying white coffee cup. Well, I talked to some other <laughs> manufacturer, like uh, one of the spray foam guys. They said their spray foam was a beige color and it was, yeah. it sold. And they changed it to another color. And it just and Sales went through the roof because it was a color. As opposed to And all it was beige. was just dye. That's all it was. It, that's all it is. It's just dye. Same product, just dye. Exactly. Okay, so now we change it to gray, and then I remember those gray ones. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, and we're going from there. So then uh, we came up with curb, right, which is great. And They're then, always and, too big, in my opinion, because yeah. I always wanted to get lower and lower and lower, and I finally got to the point where I did, you know, no cur- curbless. I did always, I started paying attention to accessibility. And people building showers that way and having that little trough be- between. And I always uh, joked about how it was really difficult for clients to raise their foot six inches to get into the shower, right? The thing is, if you build the shower properly, then it shouldn't be overflowing. The drain should be working properly. It should be running. And then as you're showering, the water goes down and that's it. So what's the risk of you coming out and 
flooding the whole floor. So I I got rid of the curbs, and I even in the beginning I took your curbs and I would cut them down. I'd cut them down to whatever worked for me for the tile install, right? I never kept it at six inches because I always felt it was too high. That's just me personally. I don't know, Omi, did you? Yeah, same way. I would I I find it's a little bit big than with your with your marble jam or your tile. So I, same thing. I used to always cut it down, and uh, depending on the tile, and let's say if you're even doing a subway tile and starting from the base and maybe have your full tile at the height of that curb so i cut it down to three that. inches high at the moment yeah, uh, height. Yeah. you don't need much for any curb you're just trying to stop the water from coming out if if that's you know if you're not doing curbless well another reason is uh, if you're using a shower curtain for your shower you need something to keep to hold it shower yeah. curtain on on a line if you have a curbless shower with a shower curtain oh water's gonna still get out well then you have to set the the shower curtain well inside the sloped area and then you're losing real estate because more it's going to come out. And that brings us, you know, really, if you're doing a curbless and that is the trend, like our colleagues in Europe, they go, you guys sell curbs? I know. Like, I can imagine that. Why, I think would you, it would change. why would you build a shower with a curb? And to them, it's weird to have a curb. For us here, it's you know, kind of it's still the norm. Still the norm, but it's going to change, especially with uh, our, we came out with our new trays uh, last year that are thin. So three quarter inches yeah no, one inch depending on which one but they're all less than an inch thick on the outside edge wow so now if you recess the plywood let's say between your floor joists um you put the tray down uh, put ditra or ditra xl outside it. and now it. it's all Done. flush yep you don't need to call engineer anymore so basically we can do a, a new version of a bishop joist setup where you can just remove that plywood and then put some blocking in between the joists and then put plywood down three quarters so now all of a sudden your tray sits on top of the top of your joist which is the same height as your existing subfloor exactly and now you don't have to reframe and restructure and engineer and get all that crap involved all you got to do is buy this new product from you guys and yeah. it works beautifully for a curbless right yeah we just uh, last week shot a video on how to do the framing portion how did uh, that go? I haven't even seen that. No, well, it, it hasn't been edited. Oh, yet. okay, hasn't been. Those guys are slow. All right, video, so. ours are a little faster. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, German company, everything's got to be. I'm done not perfectly. saying it. I'm not yeah. saying it. No, I know they're really, but that's why we like their products, right? All right, are we finally at Curdy Board now? The niches came out uh, first before Curdy Board. Yeah. Really? Wow. Well, no, no, sorry, no, no, sorry. No, 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 no. Curdy no, Board no. came out because we make the make it out of. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's what I thought. We actually had. The idea of, of pre-cutting curdy to be able to fold it into a made niche that you'd build, that didn't go anywhere because it was just way too complicated. And then I can when imagine. Cur curdy board came out, uh, uh, we made the niches out of curdy board. So yeah, you're right, uh, curdy board. And that was a game change. Now, hang on a second. Am I right to say that curdy board came before Dietra Heat? Dietra Heat was soon after curdy board. Yes. I think so. Yeah, that's how I remember it. So Curdy Board comes out, and now you got an uphill battle still because now you got foam, really flexible foam instead of cement board that yeah. everyone's so used to. Respirator, go outside, grinder, cut it, snap it, don't get a perfect line. Have to trim it, clean it up, grind it, snap it, bring it back in, and then try to drill it in with those screws that always pierce your fingers all the time. So how is that battle when you guys are trying to sell Curdy Board now? Half inch, really light, like Omid said, can carry five of them up himself up the stairs how, I, mean, I can imagine how that was hard i think it sells itself honestly to me to you <laughs> sure old school guys you're absolutely right it had to sell itself because i could go in try and talk somebody into it they take a look at the cost the board they'd squish it with their fingers and they'd go i don't know 
But once they tried it, that was the selling point. Yeah, give it a chance. Just here, try it. <laughs> and we gave away probably, no, I don't know how many containers of free samples when it first came out for people to try. And all the guys that did get the material to try were convinced. As people try it, they figure it out. It's not something that a sales guy can go in and just say, hey, look at this. This is a great looking tile. And you go, yeah, let's, I'm going to use it. Mm -hmm. Right. This was more of a, you got to experience the product. That's why it didn't like, jump out of the gate when we first came out with it. It didn't? Well, some guys did. To me, it did. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen that bell curve of acceptance of products. A certain percentage of early adapters, it's like 10% of the market. And I would probably put Manny into that. Maybe, maybe <laughs> Thanks, I don't know Todd. you well enough. No, Amit will be there too, I mean, for sure. Know, the, you, something new comes out and you're kind of looking at it, jumping. Interested. It's the guys that line up for the new iPhones right? The early mm -hmm. adapters. Then there's the guys that wait to see if the phone works properly. Yep. Right. And that's another big chunk. So if you look at the bell curve, once you get to the top of the bell curve, that's the mass of the population. And then there's the late adapters, you know, the, the people that still don't know how to use a computer. <laughs> Those guys are listening the, to a track in their car, <laughs> bottom, of, bottom right. at the end of the, that bell curve. So we found that, you know, that 10% early adapters jumped on it. And then the others had to figure it out. That bell curve does work for all kinds of products. But that's not the case now. Now we're kind of, we're still climbing that bell curve. We haven't hit the top of the oh, bell really, curve huh? yet. No. Wow. The increases every year are excellent. Okay, so that's good. Because guys, old school guys are still using cement board. Old school guys are still using dent shield. And really old school guys are still using drywall. At our last trade show, we're, you know, I was in the booth and we we're showing somebody curdy board and one of the contractors that was there as well. And he starts saying, oh yeah, I wouldn't use anything else. He goes, oh yeah, I was just like you, very skeptical at the beginning. But mm -hmm. once I tried it, Oh, that's it. Not going to use anything else. The other contractors are like, Ooh, well, maybe I should try it. Yeah. And I'm thinking, wow, my sales pitch was like, keep my mouth shut <laughs> <laughs> and let the guys talk, yeah. right? Let them discuss it. So, and then once, when, when you get more and more people accepting it, then other people will accept it even more. And then it gets going and going and going and everybody's using it. So you, so you have this to is already it. a physically demanding job to do dealing with tiles and mortar there's there's a lot of things so i think the fact that a lot of these younger guys that are starting into this industry they're lucky that they don't have to really deal with you know in the beginning when you start you your job is to basically cut the boards and put it on that's how that's how you start to learn how to put up walls and it's a lot of work so now when you have a curdy board you're saving your back you know you're saving your knees you're saving a lot of time so and that being said, these old school guys that have, you know, 15 years, 20 years, their back is gone. I know many people. So now when you're changing this product and you, you start to learn about these new products like this, like, and when you start to use it, you're kind of prolonging your career. Less time it's, at the chiropractor, more time, you know, it's, less it's time kinda, at work. It's kind of sad. I mean, it's, it's, it's respectful that you guys have come up with a product that is lighter, easier to use. But at the same time, the clients and designers are asking for larger tiles and heavier tiles to be installed and worked with mm -hmm. and panels now and things like that. So it still becomes challenging. But I, I know you're saying on me, it's like you guys are young now, which is great. And I remember oh, yeah. those days. But then you're going to get old eventually. And you don't want to be that old guy who's having a hard time walking around. Yeah. You want to be that old guy who can actually still be vibrant, yeah, right? You, you so. got to work smarter. If you can save a little extra weight, why not every day? 
There's uh, one contractor that we, uh, this is years ago, he came to our booth at one of the trade shows, and he, he's like struggling to walk. Yep. Was, and, and he saw Dietra at the time, and he's looking at Dietra, and he's almost like, almost crying. <laughs> I know. And, and, we're going, like, life. <laughs> and it's like, well, he, he told us his story. He was carrying cement board, because in the U.S. they use cement board as an underlayment, up a real tight staircase, and he lost his balance and blew both his knees out oh, and that ended his his installation career and when he saw Detra and he thought oh my goodness i could have carried this roll up the stairs and yeah, still had my knees yeah we're really lucky <laughs> thank you looter <laughs> it's true right so i i gotta ask you todd where's the color orange come from it was always orange right from day one it's always orange Quite it's not the most attractive color i'm just saying that it's not the most attractive color it's a nice color but it's not the most attractive color orange equals green in my eyes here Really? I like I that. I think so. Orange equals green. That's a good question. I, I, I should find out where, where the orange came from. But my, my theory is back in the 70s, there was a lot of orange being used. It was a popular... Cars. Popular Cars popular were color. orange. Remember those plastic <laughs> chairs? Yeah. You know, the, yeah. yeah, that's so true. Maybe that's where it came from. But but uh, it served us. Uh, it's a good almost trademark. Oh, totally. Uh, Anybody so sees, sees it now. It just jumps right out. People ask me, what, what company do you work for? I say Schluter, and some people, you know, not in the industry, outside the industry, and they go, and I say, do you know the orange, the orange stuff one. you yeah, see I on see TV? Yeah, I say the same thing, say, yeah. And they <laughs> then go, they oh, know. Yeah, yeah, then they yeah. know. The that's, orange that's one true. from TV. Oh, yeah, I know which one you're talking about. So we've got, uh, I guess, soon after that became Detroit Heat. Yeah, Detroit Heat came out. Um, now that changed everything. We saw a demand for integrating our product, our Detroit product, with with cables guys were putting them underneath they're putting them on top some guys are cutting grooves in Dietra XL and popping the, the cable in there was all kinds of stuff going on like, someone was doing like, that really oh, yeah, that yeah. seems like a lot of work compared to putting the cables down self-leveling over top yeah. and then putting Dietra on top of that yeah so there was a lot of stuff going on a lot of calls coming in what do we do with with heat so we came up with a, a membrane Dietra heat that accepts the cables and we came out with our own cables too so that we can provide a full system without any you know worries that uh you know finger pointing why is yeah. this working yeah, yeah of course quite honestly we're probably the 25th company to offer heating cables so our expectations were eh, you know we'll sell some <laughs> that wasn't we what wrong? happened <laughs> no yeah, no it was like a landslide it was unbelievable but I guess the sad thing is no more chiclets, which you guys call those octagon things now. Well, I don't know if you're, you're familiar with our Becatech product. Yeah. Well, basically, Becatech is for a mortar bed, mm -hmm. thick, thick application, and Dietra Heat is really for a thin application, a bonded thin application. Yeah. And the configuration is relatively the same. Mm -hmm. uh, heating tubes for hydronic snap yeah, into that's Becatech. Right. It, is, it is the same. Yeah. And for, for Dietra Heat, it's an electric cable that snaps in between. And the hollow cavities of the discs provide the uncoupling. And uh, we added fabric on the back to create sound control for impact sound. Condos. Then you guys also made the thicker version, right? So that was the Dietra, what was that one called? Well, Dietra Duo has the fleece on the back. Yeah, it has the fleece, yeah. yeah. And that fleece is for sound control, but it also thermal barrier. It doesn't have a lot of R value per se, but it, the reaction time over concrete improved dramatically Got when it. using the Dietra Heat Duo because of that little bit of insulation underneath. 75% faster heat up. Uh, heated floors on concrete will take half a day to heat up. You're fighting the concrete. Yeah. First, you have to heat, heat up, up the concrete yep. before yep. the heat comes up to the surface. Yep. So people want to turn it on, have you know set back thermostats and 
have a schedule so that it goes on and off. Well, if it takes you three, four hours to heat it up, doesn't make any sense. Most people that. just leave it left it on all the time. By putting this Ditra heat duo with the insulation allows those people to have that setback and heats up. It'll heat up regular floor and plywood to heat up, let's say in an hour. It'll take over Ditra heat duo an hour and a half to heat up. See, that's, that's you know, 50% right there. All right, so Ditra heat takes us to what? Now we start getting into linear drain land. Maybe linear drains came out before Ditra heat. Oh, did they? Around the same time, maybe. If, we, if I knew we were going to talk about this, I would have well, I, I know you did some homework. <laughs> I know. No, but it's nice that we're just trying to self-discover like discover it. But I think you're probably right. I think the Trahid and, and Linear Drains came out around the same time. And Linear Drains made a lot of sense to me. And then yeah. I, I don't know if it was you or somebody else who t taught me that nobody client-wise likes showering in the center of the shower and having the drain in the center of the shower because as they're showering and bathing all the dirty water is going down to their feet. So now they're standing in a pool of dirty water. That's the mentality that they have. So that's how the, the linear drain got to the sides. Mm -hmm. And then they, uh, clients wouldn't be standing. And it kind of makes a little bit of sense. Uh, so I can see how it works. So now linear drains came out and you guys changed. I mean, linear drains were out. Like some other companies had their drains out already, but they weren't perfect. And then you guys came out with yours and it made sense to me at that time, right? So, but that must've been challenging. Uh, lineal drains, like you said, were in, on the market. There was a number of companies that had them, but nobody was really promoting that concept. No. And the other thing was, is that most of the other line drains were designed for a rubber liner. Yeah. So now we got guys that take somebody else's drain that's meant for a rubber liner and MacGyver it to uh, surface waterproofing, mm -hmm. which Not gonna happen. is Don't very do risky. <laughs> like, you know. Nobody's taking the responsibility. Well, if somebody uses Curdy with somebody else's drain and there's a problem. Who are you pointing at? The installer. We can't stand behind that connection to the drain. Yeah. You know, stand behind the rest of the waterproofing, but at the drain, well, we can't help you. So. Um, having one system with uh, a, with the curdy attached to the flange already, so that again takes the responsibility away from the installer, and brings it onto the Schluter. If you follow, like we have handbooks for Ditra and Ditra heat and shower systems, and that all you have to do is follow the recipes that are in those books. The responsibility is ours. I think every product you guys have, there is a handbook, and I think DVDs too. Right? Well, they I think you guys stuff. stopped the DVDs, and it was kind of good you guys stopped the DVDs. <laughs> I just like but old school guys. When's the laser disc gonna come? I don't <laughs> understand why you guys were still, and that's a shame because Omid and I and everybody else that uses the products, you open up the pack and you take it I and you keep the corners because I love the corners, <laughs> and then you would throw out the DVD and throw out the manual because we knew exactly what was going on. But it's nice that you guys were a company that's still handing it out to those, I guess, the smaller percentage points of guys that were not familiar with it and they need to maybe watch it. But with smartphones today and technology today, you could just log in and check it out on YouTube and see what's going on, right? Our philosophy, like to make sales, we instead of saying, here, buy this product, we say, we want you to have a successful tile installation. Okay, that's our mentality. If you use our products and we provide you with the product and the information on how to use it and how to install it, you know, training and all that kind of thing, handbooks, videos, so that you can go out and get your installation done properly, and quickly and easily, you're gonna have a successful installation every time, that's our goal. So if you have that, you're gonna have happy customer, you're gonna be happy as a contractor, and you're gonna continue using our product, and that's gonna drive sales, right? As Orange to, means green. I like what Omid said, orange means green. Yeah. And once, once they're educated too, it's because I think 100% of the time, it's the, when there is, if there is a failure in the shower system, it's th because of the installer. For whatever reason, 
they, you know, maybe mistakenly didn't put a corner in or didn't lap it by two inches or whatever the case may be. So I guess it is, you're right. Every, you got to try and touch every avenue of, of media to try and educate the people because once you get that one negative feedback, it's, it's you kind of damaging the entire, you know, the entire company. So showing now that now that's good that you guys do have it on youtube you know the books and everything it's really good and and me myself i even every time i install something i always just look at it again just to look at it just you know make sure double check all right good to go even though i know what i'm doing 100 percent, it's just it's a good thing it's right there it's a refresher you know you can't you can't if you do it wrong you're kind of being lazy in my eyes yeah. everything is there yeah. you know take take two seconds there's no there's no need to do anything half-assed take two seconds take a look at it if you don't know and that's it it makes yourself look better too (laughs) of course it does and then the product it's not going to fail right so i keep going back to they're spending a lot of money on expensive material that goes over their stuff so might as well do it properly so then there's no callbacks except for come back and do another bathroom for me please that's what you really want right there's no shame in doing it right as long as done right no it takes a little bit longer you're actually going to make more money in the end than you are if you have to come back and fix something because something failed right so good luck on trying to fix that later on but uh where do we go from there todd well after the line drains uh, we started getting into a little bit of style so we came up with the styled drains yeah you had the water jet or i don't know how you guys are doing it and uh, a little bit more on the design end of things. So never been a you know, design company, <laughs> more of the nuts and bolts. Oh, I know that because I, I, I painted one of your drains for the first time black probably about four years ago. And I've been asking for black for a long time. And I got hinted that it might be coming, but uh, coming, but I'm not exactly sure. I just know that I was at IBS re- recently, and there was a hint, hint, wink, wink kind of thing that it might be showing up. So I'll leave it with you guys. But until then, I'll continue powder coating uh, and getting them right, and then I'll take the full warranty of it. But uh, I know clients are asking for black, and uh, it's not just you guys. I know Kohler took them about seven years to start doing black plumbing fixtures too. So a lot of clients are asking for darker colors, different colors, and things like that, not just a typical polished chrome or stainless steel. So I I, I know where you're coming from regarding yeah. that. The trend the trend for black probably in the last twelve months. Yeah, went from you know uh, this this is a cool color to a mainstay. Like yeah, if you go to Home Depot and Lowe's, black and white look. It's yeah, they black. have it in stock yeah. and a lot of it. Really, at Home Depot. Yeah, in wow. stores. So if they're stocking it, that means that the sales level it's hit of the that, masses. It's hit the masses already. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. absolutely right. Uh, we need to have that. So design wise, so you went there, and then uh, now I guess where we're going, we're just perfecting all the new lines now. Because well, one of the things that we did also is the trend line colors. It's a powder-coated profile. Oh, yeah, I've seen those. Those are actually pretty cool. We always had metallic colors for our profiles. They stood out from the tile, and a lot of people didn't want that. It so we, loud, yeah. It works sometimes. It totally works sometimes. Absolutely. You're matching your faucets or your door handles or whatever, but sometimes people wanted to see, don't want to see the profile. So what we did is with the trend line colors, we came up with a, a spray on two, two color kind of combination to give it some depth and texture. We basically matched up with all the grays and beiges and grayges. Grayges, <laughs> yeah, I hate that word. Grayish, okay. If you take the trend line color range and you go into a tile shop, you'll find one of the trend line colors that will match pretty much every single tile. It'll work. It'll and grout too, I find. Some of them, it's just grout like as well? the exact yeah, same true. color. Yeah. You know? And even though the price of that is, you know, it's a premium price compared to the, some of the, you know, let's like say anodized aluminum, the sales are going through the roof because people 
want that. They want the tile to just blend right the, into the corner. The texture to, too, yeah, right? It's yeah. very similar. And yeah. I think it was last year you guys introduced a new profile that basically helped and assisted miter joints, which is called yes. the, the fine, fine neck or fine deck. Which is the one? The one that goes on the 45? The fine neck, yes. Yeah, fine neck. Uh, so basically, that, that was driven by designers in that market. They say, we want to have a, just a nice thin little thin line, line on the corner clean, yep. so that it protects, still protects the edge of the tile so it doesn't get chipped, but we don't want to see a lot of metal on the corner. Mm -hmm. So we came out with fine neck, and uh, the only downside to that is, is you have to miter the tiles. Yeah, but most guys are mitering the tiles to begin with, but they're nervous about the corner being just pure tile. And if you do nick it with something, which you might, then you've got a broken tile. But if you nick it with a corner like that, it's yeah. still going to survive, right? Durable, yeah. So you just have the, the profile point out a little bit beyond the tile so mm -hmm. that it'll take the impact more than the, the tile and, mm -hmm. uh, and it works. There was one product you guys introduced at IBS, which was the uh, 90 degree right angle drain. Oh yeah. That was like that could have saved a lot of headaches years ago if it came out to us sooner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying, it makes a lot of sense when you're in a pinch on a joist system, oh. the way it's set up, right? So many applications. Uh, I was at a project where they had a vertical stack in one of the old buildings. Mm -hmm. All the pipes were running vertically and all the drains were running horizontally or the drain pipe from the from the shower drain was running to that stack. So how do you replace that? And without without cutting the, the whole stack, mm -hmm. without getting to that whole world. Oh, it, and then coring through the concrete. Another project, uh, the you know high-rise constructions, concrete, uh, reinforcing steel in the concrete. And they located the drains cores in the wrong spot. Of course. So now you got like 700 recores. To recore, you have to x-ray the concrete to see where yeah, you the steel is. Fine, yeah. <laughs> you know the cost of that. Oh, oh my God. Huge. So to have a horizontal drain that you can just plop down on top of the concrete, run the pipe horizontally across the floor and Connect. wherever the Done. penetration is. And you're done. So residentially, you know, basements, builders pour the concrete right up to the pipe. They yeah. don't box it out. Now you can put the drain wherever you want to have the shower, run the pipe horizontally, put it into an elbow, and you're, you're done. done. There's so many great applications. And, uh, you know, you get to a job site, you open up the plywood to find out that, ooh, there's a pot light there from the ceiling below. <laughs> I can't put my trap oh. here. Right? Where the hell am I going to put it? I need a right angle drain. Who's got a right angle drain? And to make things easier, we came out with a compensation board too. So it's a foam board, two feet by four feet. And you can put that around the drain and around the pipe and then put the, our shower tray on top of that. And it's done. And you're done. So... Otherwise, you'd be pouring, you know, three inches of concrete to fill around the and pipe. And build up that bed. Ooh. Yeah, and you don't want to do that. No, especially wood construction. Then you have to get engineering. Is it going to take the weight? It's too heavy. It's too heavy. And there's just the labor in that. So the compensation board's a really great idea. I like that. And it's gray, too. Well, no, no, I saw it in gray because it was PVC. But it comes in ABS? ABS, PVC. It comes in both, right? Two-inch so outlet, yeah. I'm still trying to figure out why Canada's ABS and the U.S. is PVC. Well, some parts mm. of the U.S. are actually both. So Which parts of those? The West? There's some states that are that are mixed, and then there's states that are all ABS, but most of the states is uh, PVC. PVC. PVC, which is weird. Because here we're PVC below grade, underground, and Forest we're ABS or, above. Yeah. Right? So I don't know. We have best of both, or I don't know. We use both. But okay, so what else are we talking about here? Now you guys got back into the designer, and you guys started doing the designer shelving. Yeah, the shelves. The new ones, the new ones now that actually have uh, two purposes. You can go in before the tile set and you can go in after the tile set, right? 
Yes, there's there's three types of uh, shelves. One that is uh, that has little tabs that you cut the grout out with some curdy fix adhere the uh, the tabs inside the grout joints and then caulk the rest of it in with a silicone or color match caulking and there's your shelf so you can go into an old shower that's got you know shower i was in today at my hotel has a wire basket screwed to the wall oh i love those ones right somebody <laughs> push puts their hand on it and the screws are popping out plus you just violated your waterproofing by putting screws in. of course so this can be an easy redo or with new construction you just you know, tile, put the shelf in, pin it with more tile in, in your set. There's another one that has anchoring legs, both up and down, so that you can put the shelf in the middle of a wall, pin it in with tile mm -hmm. because it has anchoring legs going behind the tile. Okay. Yeah. And the third one is designed to go into our niches because we, uh, for our bigger niches, we provide a, a curdy board um, shelf. Yeah, the prefab niches, yeah. But you have to tile that. Yeah, and, and it gets really thick. And it's yeah. thick and it's a lot of work to tile and cutting tile and whatnot. So these shelves fit perfectly inside our, our niches. You guys gonna expand that line with some black shelves? We'll see. We'll see what the Germans come up no with and when they bring it to. I'm assuming <laughs> black is big in Germany or no? In Europe, I don't in, know. in Europe, it's a, it's it's a different market. It's completely sure. yeah. I and can imagine. You go from you know Europe to Asia, it's different, again, different. Uh, Come to North America, different. I talked to the guys at Kroller, and they say you know they make certain colors that are meant for one area of the world and oh, yeah. another for oh, another. Wow. And, oh yeah, That's and crazy. even though it's in their catalog, you know. You, probably can't find it here because they don't have stock but it's there so there's there's a lot of markets that you have to you know california is different than florida that's different totally. than toronto totally so with the shelves now you've got the edging and now you guys just introduced 10 foot lengths of edging yes all the profiles not all the profiles oh, okay. a selected range so in our price list there's one page dedicated to 10 footers so that how, you can see how many times omid have you had to splice i just last i've done week, it twice i think just last week i just did a bathroom and it was, it, splice, was eh? it was three three inches i needed i just needed three inches so it that was, kills you huh oh, it kills so but now we don't have to do that no uh we got the 10 footers so just get used to which products and colors are available in the 10 footers so that you can steer your customer <laughs> yeah. to those uh, and we did uh come out with a, quite a range of different Profiles as well as different uh, different colors, um, all the all the best sellers for sure. You know, if you have a seam, even if you say you have a twenty foot ceiling, if your seam is ten feet above the ground, nobody looks up there. No. Uh, but when the seam is eight foot eight or feet, nine foot ceiling, you've got a a twelve inch yeah. piece. You'll see it. Yeah. For and sure. It, and it'll annoy. It doesn't matter how perfect it turns out and how tight it is and whatever. You'll still see it, and then it drives you crazy, right? As an installer, I don't think clients are that worried about it. Or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe mm, designers. I are think it, it goes both ways. Both, yeah. yeah. I, I think at the end of it, when you look back and you see a job, you want if you'll know where things could have looked better. Like that right there is just. I look at it and that's the first thing I see. It's just like your this eyes should, are drawn right to it. Different way. And it's now that you know, and they people like the Jolly Edge and they want that chrome look. And it's just like, well, they only make it in this, but now that we have the 12 foot or 10 foot, is it 10 or 12? They're 10. 10 foot. Okay, so there we go. And then yeah. also, you guys just introduced a six foot wide roll of curdy. Yeah. Well, is it two, six? Is it's it? two meters. Two meters. So mm. it's six foot six, and you can just take the roll. We, uh, one of our reps that's an ex-installer, he did the video and came up with the installation technique, the six and a half foot roll up, and you spread thin set and just walk. roll it out, yeah. press it in, spread more thin set, roll it out, that's press it. it in, and you can just wrap your entire shower with the six foot six yeah. curdy. No seams, no nothing. 
No, nothing. No Curdy Band in the corners. Um, so this would be over Curdy board or just regular board? Just re well, whatever drywall, drywall cement board, yeah. whatever. Yeah, that's it, huh? Maybe not for the first time Curdy user because it's a little more tricky to handle. But you know, if you're doing a waterproofing a pool deck or a big floor area, just one piece. And then yeah, that's a, that's a good point that you bring up because I know I learned not early on but later on i learned that a lot of schluter products are used on an exterior basis in europe the climates are a little different in canada that's the thing about it so now we that's why we don't use them here because of our extreme bullshit winters is what we got going on it's gonna it's not uh, it won't work exteriors are this one mistake exterior it's gonna get you every time got it you'll have a, a bad result interior you can make mistakes and get away with it there's installers that make mistakes every day because they don't install properly and they get away with it most of the time because the conditions aren't as drastic as they are on the exterior to ask somebody to do a perfect job on the exterior again puts so much onus on the installer that it's not fair even though we have all the products to do exteriors that are proven in milder climate it's not a really great idea to do that exterior stuff in in canada good example just the thin set mortar the mortar has to be between 10 degrees Celsius and 30 degrees Celsius for at least two weeks for the mortar to cure properly. Fully cure. And that's... Good luck in two, winter in Toronto. Yeah. Well, not... Well, even, Canada. Even the, when is it going to be above 10 degrees at night? Yeah, not um, yeah, even if you even go as far out as in BC, you don't get that and at nighttime. It still gets colder, it gets to zero. Even in Toronto, even Windsor, which is probably the warmest mm -hmm. <laughs> spot in Canada besides Vancouver, but to get those conditions, you maybe have a, like a three, four week period. The chances of a job being done during that period are slim. Yeah. So then you're just asking for trouble. So you're basically saying stay away from the exterior. Uh, that would be good advice. Uh, so now you know I'm going to do something in the exterior. <laughs> <laughs> and if you are, let us know. Uh, we, we'll walk you oh, through. Well, I'll let you know. I'll, <laughs> let, I'll call the girls up and I'll, I've got a question. I've got a question. I've got a question. Now that you told me all this information, I'm going to call the girls up and ask them about corners. I'm going to ask them about all these old school questions that you guys had that you thought are not being asked anymore, just to kind of upset them. Just to add to the exterior portion, we used to include the exterior products in that in our catalog. We've taken them out. For those reasons. Uh, the Dietra handbook used to have exterior applications. We've taken it out. Yeah, I remember uh, seeing them in there. That's why. Now we have an exterior price list and an exterior details that are basically, when, let's say you want to do an exterior, you give us a call. We have a full procedure now to validate the installation, make sure that every, all the conditions are met properly, and we'll walk you through the whole installation. And there's even a sign-off that you agree to. Oh, wow. Okay. Make sure all these yeah. conditions are met. Got it. Because at the end of the day, if, if the, all those conditions are met and that causes the failure, at the end of the day, oh, you use Schluter and it failed. We don't want you that. You guys don't yeah. want that. You don't want to have that conversation. We don't want you to go there. We don't, like I said before, we want a successful installation. We have to make sure that it's done properly. That's what we're going to have to do. Opening exteriors to the masses is not a good idea. Every exterior that I've looked at that was a problem. Something was done wrong. I was just interested because I remember seeing in those earlier brochures about the exterior balconies and things like that, little areas that are above first floor situations, rooms. Then it became a whole waterproofing, which made sense to me. But you're right, the weather, the way our seasons are, and they won't work. So it makes no sense to stick with the roofers and what they do, and they'll take care of that waterproofing section of it, right? The, so The material too, right? Think about the tile that you need and the grout. Think about like the freeze-thaw cycle that you go through and just that's the that's your first layer of defense right there. Yeah, yeah. And if if your if your tile expands too much, you know, and your grout can't take it, then that's the first thing that's gonna go. 
And then once any water gets in behind there, with then the you're, freezing, you're it's screwed. Done. Yeah. The first layer is the material, the grout and the tile. So where's where's Schluter going now? Now that it's been a fun ride since the seventies, eighties, nineties, now we're into two thousands and everyone is like ingrained now with orange and Schluter and you guys are perfecting all the curdy became wider and drain became white right angle and profiles now are ten foot and you guys are curting all the, the trays now and the curting the bur uh, the curbs and then you're also curting the benches. What's next? Well the way our company develops product is we look at the tile installer and where their their pain points are, you know, what's causing you grief. And we look then to resolve that grief. Mm -hmm. So what's the grief of the the day to day? Like what's uh what's the what's the masses of installers out there saying, this is what I got a problem with. Can you guys help me with it? I love by the way that you had an installer who started the company, saw a problem, solved the problem, built the problem, built an entire catalog around those problems and now you're still doing that to installers today. Weren't even born. He wasn't even born when I wasn't they started. Even thought of, okay. <laughs> I was I was born but he wasn't even born. I wasn't so. even in it yet. Jeez. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> That's interesting, huh? Yeah. He wasn't even born, but now he loves the product and he's using it, right? It's, I can only imagine, I'm sure you guys can't you can't talk about it, but I can only imagine what's going to happen this year, next year, and so on and so on, and what other new products are going to come out. I can't speak to specific products. We do have, like I mentioned before, a large group of people in product management that's been developed like two years ago. We started that. I'm part of that uh, group as well. You know, we're working on all kinds of, of projects right now or we're limited by resources in terms of people to get all these things done. So you'll see a lot of really amazing products coming out over the next, uh, probably, well, ongoing, but uh, over the next, let's say, two, three years. But we're in the training center here, and I can only imagine that you guys get, what, 40, 50, 60 people, installers in here, and you guys train them on your products, and you guys probably get a world of feedback. Absolutely. We we have a little questionnaire that we give all our uh, people that come to the workshops. So just a little bit about the workshop. We do we have our training center here in Toronto, but we also have one in Vancouver and Clemson. We use the, the training center there, and we have one in uh, Plattsburgh one in Reno, and then we do remote. We've done hundreds and hundreds of workshops every year throughout North America, put through thousands of people. And that's probably part of our success is that once guys are trained to do something properly and they do it properly and they have that successful installation at mm -hmm. the end, their customers and the installer themselves will want to use our product because it creates. So true. And showing how to use our product, I think is very, very important in these workshops. if. Whoever's listening to this podcast, if you haven't come to our workshop, yeah, look it up. Look check it, up, it out where it is. Register. They're free. It's a two-day course. If you're traveling from out of town, we'll even put you up at a hotel at our cost. Yeah. We feed you. I mean, it's uh, you guys it's never a great put me program. up. Never got never got a hotel. Nothing because I live in the area. That's why. Come on. <laughs> I even came to the workshop. I did the first one, and I think it, mm, three or four months later. I did the second one. It's I was I was impressed, you know. The a lot of there's a lot of detail that goes into it and the hands-on is I think the most valuable thing here. There's someone here basically going to teach you and show you how to actually do it with the mock-ups and right there is basically there's that's your bathroom. Girls and guys here, both of them, everyone helping each other out and you know, everyone's happy talking, you know. This is almost like a networking thing that goes on here. And I, I met a, actually uh, a couple guys through uh, the workshop. Oh yeah. Um, that uh, that are good friends of mine now, and that are tile setters. And uh, it's it was thanks to the workshop. It was a good. It was almost like a two day little break from work, 
and you get to learn about the product and see maybe this even might even as a homeowner i've there was a lot of homeowners here too i remember really yeah they were bad homeowner you let them in here <laughs> todd's got a look on his face well, <laughs> i don't know it's news to him it shouldn't be no but i know we don't yeah, want them in here it's sometimes they sneak in is that what it is yeah, they're the same ones that sneak into trade only suppliers that uh you know i I, you don't belong in my world get out of here go back to your world man go back to your cubicle right it's, so it's uh something that we try to avoid but uh they sneak if somebody in. wants to I get know. in they'll they'll pretend they're a contractor they'll put on a pair of work pants and get them dirty a little bit and then walk in here go yeah i'm a contractor yeah huh? yeah <laughs> you're right though about the networking totally right about the networking that's what's amazing about it and people uh underestimate the value of networking because oh, you, you come and you talk to another competitor even and you find out some of their pain points and how they got around them and boom you apply that knowledge to your business that's always been the case every time i walk into a supplier and i always have a problem i'll announce it i'll just make sure that i'm vocal about it and i guarantee you that another contractor will overhear that question and they will share a tip that they may know Mm-hmm. And then they tell you, that's how I found out about IBS. That's how I found out about certain suppliers. That's how I found out about the business in general. It's just you start being more vocal about your inquiries. And social media is great for that. And probably the only best part of social media outside of the you know the hacks out there. But the problem is that you start being vocal about your questions. Someone will answer you. The, the, like good guys are really good guys and they're more interested in helping you and helping you build your business. There isn't that kind of bullshit attached to her. Oh, you're my competition. I don't want to tell you yeah, any of my trade secrets because you're going to take work away from me. <laughs> bullshit. There's plenty enough work out there for everybody. If you're a good guy, you know, if you, if you want to build a good business and you want to be a good tile installer and you want to use the best products, then that's the kind of person you are. And you're going to want to share it. You want to want to give up the ideas and give up the tricks and give up all that stuff. So it's good that you guys are doing this. And you guys are doing the class, like, how often? It's it's weekly? No. Well, here in Toronto, it's monthly. Monthly. And sometimes more than that, because they'll go to, say, Kingston and do a workshop there. Go to Ottawa, do a workshop. Holy you know, cow. They'll bro. rent a ho- you know, hotel banquet room and set everything up. It's pretty wild, the, the investment that the company makes. And that goes back to being a privately held company yeah. they can do this kind of thing where i can't see this if it was a corporation no. and board of directors are like why are we doing this this makes no sense yeah we're spending how many millions of dollars that on something no that sense. we're not making any direct payback but the indirect payback is huge, is huge. Yeah, huge. there's less and less we're selling more and more product and there's less and less problem that's Educate that's any people. business that's owner it. any subcontractor yeah. any that's a dream that's yeah. a dream right there that's what you want and that then drives because again goes back to successful installations you have no problems you have successful installation everybody's happy it was interesting i talked to a contractor in from the u.s and he said that the way he adopted schluter was through his accountant his accountant how's that okay so this, this intrigued right. me <laughs> he said you know he's working he's running so many crews he's like like working his butt off and at the end of the year he's got he's made so much money right so the next year he's going okay how, how am i gonna make more money can't run more crews and this and that. He's, you know, already bottlenecked. He's talking to his accountant and his accountant said, well, use product that is going to be, first of all, easily available so it doesn't slow your work down. Good support so that you're not using it incorrectly. Something that's going to speed up your installation. So with the same number of crews, the same, you can do more work, make more, make money. more money. Again, orange, orange is green. Orange is green. <laughs> I like and, that. And he didn't believe Hashtag. his accountant, but he says, you know what? I'll try it. He adopted Schluter and a few other products on the market that would make his life easier and faster. A little technology too. So his costs went up 
a little bit for material and the technology, but his profits well Well, his labor went down. Yeah. yeah. At the end of the day, you know, he looked at his statement and he goes, wow, I made a lot more money this year, even though his cost of materials and mm-hmm. that went up. A lot of guys can't figure that out. They go, if I spend more money on material, I'm not going to make as much money because I can't charge more for the job. I have to buy all my materials as cheap as possible. That's not true. That's not the, that, that's not the way that, to do it. That's no. not it anymore. That, that's bad math. Yeah. <laughs> no. I always told guys in the beginning that don't look at the individual line item cost. Look at the overall budget yes. cost of a project. So if one line item like Schluter is a little bit more expensive... In the overall scheme of things, it's actually going to be cheaper if you think about it, and you'll make more money. Funny that he learned it from his accountant, which is great. Yeah. Orange is green. I like that. They're going to take that from you, Omi. You know no, that, right? okay. <laughs> They've done a lot for me anyways. <laughs> Anything else we want to share? Todd, I, I want to wrap it up, but I mean, I think we talked a lot about Orange, and I just like, I'm going to still continue using it. You know what I mean? I'm curious about what else you guys are going to come out with, but I want, I'll wait and see, and, and then we'll start modifying and using it, and, and they'll get incorporated to my rentals and his rentals and everybody else's, right? So. Well, you know, in two weeks is the uh, covering show down in Florida. You're heading, Omid's yes, heading down the there for the first time. will be there for the first time. He's going down there. I'm not going down there. I've been to Florida uh, too many times and I was in Vegas twice this year already for IBS and World of Concrete and mm-hmm. KBiz. So I'm taking a break. I'm taking a break. Maybe you might catch me in Circe in Italy, mm-hmm. the tile show there, because I'm very fascinated about what's going on with Europe and their tiling and what's happening. I know Ish was just going on. Wasn't Ish in Germany? Yeah, that's uh, every two years. Every two years, right? And then someone just told me about a Paris show that's going on this year in September. Big bu- a builders show in Paris, right? So I'm like, okay. okay, that sounds cheap, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Paris, <laughs> Paris construction show, uh, and a Canadian going down there. Uh, let's see how cheap that's going to be. But uh, I'm sure Schluter, that you guys will be there. Must be there. I didn't hear about it, but uh, I just heard about it recently. So yeah. I just, I never even knew Paris had this show. It's nice to get out to the shows. It's nice to network and nice to see what the rest of the world is doing. And that's the beauty of social media as well. I don't know. I mean, you got anything else you want to share here? I pretty much. We I think we touched a lot of topics here, and it's really good. It's just the one big thing is I remember even the beginning too, and a lot of guys I find it's. Oh, but this is this costs more than a sheet of, you know, dent shield or whatever it is. But guys, you guys gotta look at this. You guys need to actually sit down. You guys need to do the math yourselves. You need to figure out, okay, if a standard bathroom, five by five bathroom, and you know, you just figure out how much time is gonna take you to do this and how many guys you need to do the job and figure out your material cost and then the time that you save to do it. Like with the regular P V C membrane, you got you got your pre slope, you got your PVC membrane, then you got to do your dry pack again, right? That right there, unless you're using fast set, let that's it a dry, come thing. back, yeah. You know what I mean? So like this, you can you can have this bathroom ready in in a half day, and your second day you could be tiling. Uh, you know, I can do a bathroom in three days now, a standard bathroom, and the third day is basically grout. That's it. So it's you guys take it. You know, if you guys haven't used it, and the old school guys. If you guys want to keep, you know, instead of maybe two years left in the career, you guys want to make it three years, <laughs> try it out. Try it out 100%. Make a little bit more retirement money before you get out of the game. Why not? All right. I feel like there's more to say, but I just, I'm going to wait until you guys have more products out there, right? I feel like going shopping because I see a rack right behind you, Todd, <laughs> that's got all these wonderful product there. <laughs> I know. I was... You know, the other thing I can mention, too, is that uh, we do take input in our product management group. If there's something that is a pain point that's difficult or troubling or Mm -hmm. whatever, uh, let us know, whether it's with our product or with tile installation in general. 
You want to um, hear it. We want to hear it so that those ideas or those uh, concerns are what drives us to create new product. Like the horizontal drain, for example, contractors would say, oh, you know, what do I do? How do we do this? And, you know, we've got a problem. We came up with a horizontal drain to address that problem. It'll probably maybe 5% of our drain sales will be horizontal. But, but it's a problem 5%. being solved for the industry, which is really key. Yeah, That's right. No, totally. I encourage the flow of information because we, we want to hear it. Perfect. I think we touched upon a lot of stuff. So, Todd, thank you very much again for joining this podcast. Uh, Omid, thank you. Always no good problem. to see you again. I think I just saw you like a few days ago. <laughs> I see more men in my life than women. I got to start working on this, man. It's just insane. But I want to thank both of you guys for joining. And this has been another episode of The Construction Life. And I like what we keep on sharing. And it's always about... It's true. It's always about problem solving and sharing what the information that we can had and give it to other people so they can make their business a lot better and make their career a lot better. Because I've always said that this is a career and not a job. It's important to keep on doing that. That's it. So stay tuned for the next episode. Thanks, guys. Take cool. care. Thanks for having us. See you at coverings. <laughs> not me. I'll check out the posts.